This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United now in control of their top six fate. And is it a gap or a chasm as D fall four points adrift at the bottom of the league? Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. I'm Tom Duffy, and also podcasting today are back from sickness, George Cran. Hello. I sound a wee bit more feeble than that. That was actually a real cough, believe it or not. So. And he's never had a day off sick in his 59 years, six months and eight days in DC <laughs> Thompson. Graham Finnan. <laughs> Yeah, hello everyone. I'm actually back from Denzo. That's a big problem. <laughs> that's, that your, that's your sickness. You go to Dens every game. But more of Dundee later. We're starting with United today. And Bear, we'll blow our own trumpets. What did we say last week? We were speaking about Jack and Marcus at Selick, how he always bears down on goal when someone's having a shot. Mark McNulty in the final minute of injury time bears down on goal at St Man. And top six here we come for United. Yeah, I mean, what a finish to the game too. And I said last week, Tom, that United, for the club, for the manager and for the fans, they were needing a win. That was that yeah. was the most important thing, wasn't it? I mean, they were desperately needing a win to get to kickstart their season again. What, what a way to get it because, uh, um, you know, there couldn't have been seconds left when that ball went over the line and credit to Mark McNulty because he was on the move when everybody else had stopped and looked at the ball to see where it was going and it hit uh-huh. the bar McNulty was moving and that's why he got goal. there first he got there first to knock it over the line <laughs> and obviously spark scenes of great joy right in front of, the, right in front of your own fans too. Yeah, he knocked the ball over the line he knocked about 40 fans over the barriers <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and it's, it's a great win for them and it really puts them in the you know, puts them in the box seat for set, first and foremost for a top six, for the top six slot. You know, they got that one and they put themselves into fourth spot and all the other clubs now seem to be seem to be scrambling a wee bit and United have just got to keep it going this week when they take on Hibs. Uh, it'll, it'll be tough, but looking back at the St. Martin game, it was, it was, it was a, I thought they had the capability beating St. Martin. St. Martin have been a wee bit off it in recent months. Obviously losing your manager doesn't really help matters. They've lost, lost the boy Jamie, is it Jamie McGrath? that He went to to Wigan, I think, uh, um, and there seemed to be a wee bit off it. And you know, it was an opportunity for United, but what a goal the boys scored to begin with uh, um, for St. Martin. And you know, St. Martin seem to be masters of that, don't they? They don't, yeah, they've had a few most prolific scorers, but they scored. Good I know, goals. and it was, it was a different, it wasn't the guy running this time, it was a guy, is it Jay Henderson or something that got the goal? It was a, it was yeah. a terrific strike. Yeah. Um, yeah, Benji didn't have an earthly with that one. It's not often you say that about Benjamin Seagrass, but fair play to United. They hit back with a terrific goal themselves. Uh, Dylan Lever, yeah. who I think is a, 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 a great player. And, and, and all around, I think over the piece, I mean, what I saw, I didn't see the full game, but what I'd seen, they looked worth worth the points, Tom, but getting them so late is, uh, you know, just it's a fantastic feeling. And, and just that as well. You know, the, the lift you take from that sort of victory can, you know, you, you, you kind of sort of put a figure on that, how, how much that's worth time. So, no, nah, you're either in a good spot now and uh, they've really only, they can only look at themselves. They've got themselves in a great position to go and claim that top six spot first. Yeah, George, I mean, if you were being ultra-critical of United listening to the game on Saturday, it was another one of their 45-minute displays, but this time they got it right. They had a they had a quiet first half, but it seems from the first kick of the second half, they stormed. The storm that they could have they could have had the victory wrapped up a lot more than uh, sorry a lot earlier than the ninety sixth minute. Yes, certainly it's, it's been it's been a, a criticism of United for a long well even longer than Tam Course has been there as, as their scoring goals and attacking uh, prowess hasn't hasn't been there. But reading uh, Alan Temple stuff in the the Curie website, he was saying that's United's best attacking display. 2022, just even just going by the stats, never mind what what it looked like, and that's a really good sign. It's perfect timing, really, in the season to pick up that victory and move above the the big smashy teams in that middle of the table. You couldn't time it better, I would I would say, and it's great for McNulty as well. I was surprised actually when watching the highlights, and I think they said it was only his second league goal of the season. 
Yeah. Or his, his first his first league goal from open play, I think it might have been. Which for a player of his quality, that's I know he's been injured for a while, but that's surprising because uh, I like him a lot. I think he's got plenty of good attributes. And Tony Watts not quite scored. He's got one for United. We should probably say to, Tony Watt played his part in the goal. Uh, where he was, he, he could have tried a speculative long range shot or just smashed it low and hard into the box, but he. He threaded the ball in an area that made defenders yeah. defend, and it, it does bring that. It's more the more than just goals, isn't it? Uh, in terms of the the quality he brings at the top end of the park, but we've not seen a huge amount of that for United in the past past few weeks and, and months. So it's a really good sign that they've done that right at the business end of the season, just when the, the, the splits on the horizon, a couple of games to go, and they're playing teams or well, Hibs are just behind them, and then they've got. The derby against Dundee are obviously struggling at the bottom of the league. So it, they've put themselves, as Bear says, in the box seat. It's it's theirs to lose now, uh, top six, and put themselves in a really good position to to get European football for next season, which which would be yeah. would be an incredible first season for Tam Courts if he can achieve that. Yeah, Bear. It's a, would you say one one in these two games against Hibs and Dundee, you know which which one we'd pick for them to win. <laughs> but one one win probably secures the top six. But from their point of view, two wins goes a long way of putting them in the, the commanding position for fourth place. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a one win will do it. And, and let's hope if that's all they get, it's on Saturday against Hibs. <laughs> <laughs> but if they were to get two, they'd not only be in the top six, they start to open up a gap between them and quite yeah. a number of the teams that are chasing that European spot. And it's a race to the line. When you get into the last five games of the season, Tam, it's a, it's a sprint finish. And it's whoever, if you've got a head start, that always helps, I think, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're looking good at this point in time. But it is fine margins between most of the teams. And we've seen things can can change uh, pretty quickly. I've just gone back to the game and, and, and we touched on uh, Tony Watt, but he was involved just seconds earlier. And the and the Jack Almick uh, sending off, which I, I, I meant to mention because I saw that, and I've got to say, I, I mean, I I know I'm a, a blue nose, but I don't think that's a sending no off. Goalkeeper. I do not think a, a goalkeeper is. <laughs> I don't think that's a sending off. I think Almick comes up, comes out, and the guy runs behind him, and and Tony he does flatten Tony Watt. I've got to say, I think it's it's more he's missed time. He's come charging. He's yeah. missed time to run, and. It's a booking all day long, but I don't think it should be a sending off. And I go back to, I'm going, I keep going back to this on the podcast. I'm really sorry if I know who the Dundee United fans. But I go back to earlier in the season when Paul McMullen went around John McLaughlin when Dundee were playing Rangers at Dens, and he's got an open goal and he gets brought down, and McLaughlin didn't get sent off. And it, and you can tell me the rules all day long, George, and what it is and what it isn't, but. I thought that I thought that one on Saturday wasn't a sending off. I still think that United. I don't think that would have affected the game. I think United could have, could have still went on and quite won, won the game. But uh, it just it baffled me why Almut got the red card for that one. Anyway, awesome. on I, looked at, I looked at it again when I saw it because I thought have, have I missed something here because that looks like that looks like a booking. The, the, there was a coming together of the two of them. It looked like there were defenders who. So it's it's always a difficult one because technically you can be closer to the goal but have no chance of stopping, you know, mm-hmm. stopping the shot. Yeah. But but usually referees will go with that. And I thought I thought it was a bit harsh on the St. Byrne keeper, but I, I must have I wasn't complaining too much. But they were able to put another goalkeeper on, and it, yeah. Uh, and at that that time of the game, St. Byrne would have fancied themselves to hold out, but United United kept pushing and did well. Yeah, and they got their just reward, and it's you know it has really it has really set them up for for this weekend against a team who are also going for the top six, but who had a, a real setback at the weekend going up to Aberdeen and losing. And Hibs Hibs are a funny side, Tam, because uh, you know I've watched I've watched since uh, Sean Maloney's come in, and he's got them trying to play a bit of football. But like even you've got to have an end product to that sort of style of play. If you're trying to play smart football and going nowhere. You end up going nowhere. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, so it's, it's another opportunity for United. Yeah, I think they'll fancy that one, at the, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Because um, Hibs, like Bears just said, George, Hibs are a team, they remind me a bit of United under Shaba Laszlo. They keep the, they keep the ball for ages, but a lot of times they don't go anywhere. And 
I think I'm right in saying the only recent win was the, the the cup tie against Motherwell when Motherwell played eight to eight minutes with ten men. Yeah, I, I saw them um, just a couple of weeks ago at, at Dens, and I wasn't hugely impressed. They passed the ball, as you say, they passed the ball about really nicely, kept the ball off Dundee, but Dundee were quite happy to just sit there and watch them basically because Hibs didn't really hurt Dundee. They're obviously struggling with injuries and they've got a lot of players out. Uh, Nisbet being out is a hard one. The big hole in their team is Martin Boyle disappearing in January. Um, it's really taken out a lot of their cutting edge. I'll, I'll, but, I maybe I'm being devil's advocate here, but Martin Boyle fit Sean Maloney's style because he's very, maybe. very direct. Yeah. And yeah. Sean Maloney's, the emphasis is keep keep the ball, whereas Hibs players would take a chance. You didn't need the most accurate pass for, for Martin Boyle to go away because he was so fast as long as you got the ball in front of him. And I don't, I'm not sure that Sean Maloney's wanting boys hitting the ball into big spaces. Yeah, maybe not, but that's, you can't, it's so difficult to defend against pace no matter what the yeah the team set up or the way they want to play. I, I think he had so much, but um, yeah, that, they feel pretty toothless at the moment, Hibs. Um, they're, st- they're still in a pretty a strong position in the table. They can go ahead of United if they, if they win yeah. the Easter Road um, in fifth. But I think it's certainly a, a game that United can can look at and think, oh, I mean, they won at Easter Road already this season uh, quite comfortably. I think it's one they can look at again as a real chance to to really nail down that top six. I think I think probably out of the two games, if they remain unbeaten, they're, they're in the top six, I would say. Uh, I think the other teams are playing each other. A few of them, and they can't all win. So I, I, th- I think I think United are in a really good position already. Um, even though it's only three points ahead of Ross County in seventh, I, I still think even one point might be enough out of these two games. But I think if they stay unbeaten in the two, they'd be fine. I and mean, well, we're quite rightly applauding the attacking players for sticking at it on Saturday past, and maybe against a team like Hibs that might keep the ball for long spells. Good to, good to see Charlie Mulgrew back. He's a, he's a calming influence at the back for United. And let's say against, against Hibs, he's not, going to, he's not going to let anyone go chasing the ball just because Hibs might have had it for 20 passes. No, you're right. And coming into this stage of the season, you know, this is the sort of guy who could make a real difference to where United finish up to him. Also allowed United to push... Uh, Callum Butcher a wee bit further forward, you know, no much further forward, I've got to say, <laughs> just a few yards, but that makes a difference, which he gives the, the midfield, the platform, you know, guys like Dylan Levitt to get up the park, and we know how, you know, he patrols that sort of area, so they, yeah, they brought back that sort of defensive solidity, the, the triangle there, the Edwards, Mulgrew and, and Butcher, which, which you know, has, has been the basis of United this season, I've got to say, but good to see Charlie back, and hopefully he stays fit, because he is a, such an influential player at the back, but he's also capable of you know, weighing him by a few goals here and there as we've seen throughout the season. So, yeah, it's, everything's, everything's looking pretty rosy in the garden for United at this point in time, but it's fine margins, Tom. Fine margins ah, at this it's, stage. It's a week-by-week week thing with this middle section of the Premier League. They're up one week, all of them, are, some of them, and others are down and everything like that. But it's, also, it's also, again, as I would say, it's, it's a perception thing of where you think you should be come the split. Now, I think the majority of Dundee United fans will think they should be in the top six. But if Tam Courts misses out by, you know, one goal and goal difference, the heat will be turned on Tam Courts, even though he's had, a, as George said, 39 points at this stage of the season. It's, you know, it's, it's a great achievement in his first season, but if you're still finishing that bottom six, he'll get it in the neck from sections of that support. But on the other side of the coin is, if he can get them into the top six and then make a real fist for Europe, well, there you go. I mean, it, it turns turns dramatically for him. Yeah, George, I was going to say that Bear mentioned... Charlie Mulgrew's back. That moves. Uh, that helps the defence. It moves Callum Butcher into midfield. It gives them a bit of bite in there, but also releases Dylan Levitt to play a bit more. And when he plays a bit more, he really plays, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that certainly noticed when, when he's been injured uh, what they've been missing really um, in the middle of that midfield. He's, he's a classy player, and he's the he's the one that's been able to. 
I've kind of said it quite a lot in this podcast. Is the connection between the midfield and the and the forward line has been the the issue for for United for a long time. But he seems to be he's got the quality to be able to bridge that bridge that gap. Um, and having Charlie Mulgrew back, obviously we've talked about him a lot in this podcast as well, and the experience he brings and how important that is for United. But when it comes to this stage of the season, he's obviously a, a proven winner in the in the Premiership. It's Celtic and it knows how to get over the line. And and that'll be invaluable for United in these big games, particularly if they get in the top six. They're playing against the big teams, playing against the teams that are fighting with them for European places. Uh, it could be invaluable having him back. And in other news at United Bear, I come to you as a goalkeeper, Benji Segrist, watched by Manchester United. Wow. Yeah, that was that's a really good story for the newspaper, isn't it, Tom? Man, United Eye, United goalkeeper. It's uh, and why not? He's a he, listen. He's a class act, and he, he made one mistake a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, you know, and I think I could, over the, the the two or so years that he's been at Tannadice, you know, that's, that's the only one I can I can remember. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, he's been outstanding, and it wouldn't surprise me if there are scouts all around watching Benji Seagrist. But whether it's whether it's the move to Manchester United, you know, you, you just wonder. You just wonder if it's if there's agents at play here, um, which at this stage of the season wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I think he's capable of certainly going down and playing at that level. But what I would what I would uh, a warning to Benji? I don't want to see him leaving United and going and being yeah. a number two somewhere. Tom, he's too Must good have for that. that occurred to me. He's too good, and uh, you know. You, as much as his bank balance is going to increase, you know, substantially, um, sitting on the bench isn't going to do him any favours at this stage of well, his career. Yeah, I think a lot of the you Premier know, League clubs now have number threes and number fours. So Yeah, exactly. Well, you could go, you, yeah. you're not even a number two, George, you're right. You could be out of the picture completely. Training goal, um, yeah. So that's not for Benji. I would, I would say to Benji, lower your I'd, sights to be a number one. Uh, I'd, I'd, I would I'd yeah. pour a wee bit of uh, cold water on this. Uh, Tony Cotton, the Man United, he's technically the goalkeeper scout, was there at the Celtic game. But there's a very re- realistic prof- prospect that he was there to watch Dylan Levitt because uh-huh. he's a Man U player. So yeah, I, yeah. Be I don't know whether two and two. They don't always watch players in their position. Uh, Aye. But I'm just meaning in general, in, in general terms, I doubt if it's Manchester United, but even like you've said, George, the vast majority of Premiership clubs yeah. down south now carry three goalkeepers. So where does Ben. Where does Benji fit into going down there from Dundee United? You know, he, 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 I would suggest Benji's best opportunity is, and he's well capable of this, getting a championship club that is on the rise and and maybe piggybacking on them, either going up with them to the Premiership if that, if that was to come along or doing enough with them to, to, to claim a place in, in, a, in, a, in a club that, you know, is in the Premiership. And he's been a Aston Villa before and, and not... Yeah. Made yeah, the breakthrough, so of you'd think that that might be in his head as well. Yeah, I mean, what age is Benji? Is he 28, 29, George? I'm 29, not... I think, yes. 29. It's, it's, now isn't the time, Tom, for him to be thinking about going down there and, and being a, no, a third-choice goalkeeper. It's a sort of nightmare. It's a nightmare's maybe too strong a word, because it would make him a very rich man, but it's one of these things that... Yeah. <laughs> does, he, does he want to look back on a career where the first thing he glances at and says that was his success is his bank balance? Or the number of games he played, and I just, I just, I mean, it'd be a difficult one for the boy. But I just, I just wonder, especially since he, it's only at United he's been a first team keeper and he's been an excellent one. So it took him a wee bit longer than normal to get the first team experience he's now got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wonder, from his point of view, it might, it might be a good thing if this interest isn't taken any further than a couple of looks. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's not it's not for him. I, I mean, I, I know that we're we're sitting here. It's easy for us to say when he could be earning scullions, but it's you know for a guy who's worked so hard over the last two years and who has genuine ambition of getting himself into yeah. the international side, the Swiss international side. If he's wanting to do that, he's not going to do that sitting on the bench somewhere. No, it's, a, it's a difficult one, mind you. Worst problems to have. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that that, <laughs> that problem. To <laughs> do I want to be rich or do I want, do I want to wreck my body over the next five years playing twice a week? But, Tom, there'll come a stage in his career, there'll come a stage in his career where 
you know, he might get that opportunity. You know, somebody might go, when you get to 36, 37, we're needing somebody of your experience where you might go, well, that would suit me going in there and just, just you know, playing at my time and getting a big a big check at the end of the day. Who's the guy? Scott Carson. Yeah. Scott Carson. Played in the Champions League last well, week. Yeah, there you go. That's but the, I, the I, one I, thing that exactly. surprised me about it is when these clubs are looking for backup goalkeepers, such as their spending power, it, it tends to be, Scott Carson was an England, I know it's only one or two caps, but it was an England international. It's usually guys that have played a lot yep. of games in their league or, or the Italian league or the Spanish league that they go for because they can carry that. They're not worried about paying a, bo- a boy between 50 and 100 grand a week and he never plays because he's there for a reason, because he's very experienced. And I just, I, I just wondered, has he got the kind of experience they would look for in a backup keeper? No, he's not yet, has he? He's not. He's not at this point in time. So he's, he's still got to... Well, he's done fantastically well at Dungeon United and, and we've written really highly up here. He's still... Ha- wherever he goes in England, he's going to have to prove himself. Yeah, aye. You know, so which is which is why sort of talk of a move to the Premiership may be wider the mark, I think, at this point in time. And moving off United this week, something something we don't highlight often enough, but their women's team going great guns again, and they're headed for the top flight, George. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't seem like it's taken that long, to be honest. I can remember when they started up the the women's team. You'd have still been working when you talking. <laughs> was there? Come on, come on. I've seen them play. It <laughs> well, yeah. I was standing yeah. on the touchline with my hands in my pockets. I wouldn't quite call it working. But I, right from the start, there was a very good setup. Yeah, yeah. I, you could see the ambition was there right from the very start, and it, it looks like they're starting to realise that. Um, I think, and there's been talk of maybe not over the next couple of years, but down the line, turning professional, semi-pro, and then into professional. So there was real ambition there, and it's really good to see. Um, kind of local team doing really well because this should be I mean it should it should be a lot stronger in this this area for for farming yeah. have done great over the past few years but uh, it's good to see an established kind of men's side moving into the women's side you can see how how popular and how successful it is down south with, with the big clubs yeah. moving into it and I think it's a really positive move for women's football and positive for, for Dundee United so it's all good yeah, I was, actually, I was to going to say, top George mentioned them there, for for Farmington have done very well for a number of years. Glasgow City are the other ones that spring to mind, but, but those women's clubs are the exception because more and more, it's the ones that are, that are attached to well-established clubs like United. Celtic Rangers Hearts Hibs and I suppose it does it does give you a sort of head start doesn't it yeah. you, you, if you start in an organisation that knows the game and knows mm. how things work oh absolutely absolutely and we see up, up north in Aberdeen in the Granite City they've got they've got their own women's team who are doing relatively well um, but we've got we've got good women's clubs yeah. in Dundee Driver Athletic yeah. being one and also Dundee West who are a, a, a well set up club but yeah, but there's no doubt at all that one of one of your senior sides has an attachment to, to the women's game. It gives it gives them the advantage, um, and it's good to see. It's good to see that they're, they're doing well, um, and they've got ambitions of you know taking taking it forward and going semi pro and uh, and then hopefully professional uh, as as time moves on. I, I think it's you know as, as baby steps in the women's game term. The big thing is just sort of you know. Improving, improving their lot at this point in time. It's, I think talk of professional football is still a, a fair bit off. I think before they even consider things like that, you know, you've got to get the structure in place that is going to allow the game to survive at a, a semi-professional level. At this point in time, it's getting well backed by by TV, but even that, I, I, I don't think looks at sort of covering professional football. How that would be the next step? How do you how do you bring in the finance? to fund a professional women's game. I mean, the best will in the world, certainly at this point in time, and the clubs would admit this, you know, there aren't too many bodies going through the turnstiles and paying uh, to watch women's football on, on a regular basis. So it's, it's building that up. I noticed that this week up in Aberdeen, it's, it's a big thing. They've got a big game. It's either tonight or tomorrow night where they're playing Rangers. And they've, they've actually moved. I think they normally play their games at... Uh, Nothing to be forgotten, Steve. Uh, the, the, I think the, the plate. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's, yeah. 
I might be at Cove Tom, I'm not sure. It's, it's one of the pitches outside Aberdeen, but this for this particular game, they're actually playing it at Petaudry and they're making a big play on it. So it'll be interesting to see just what the attendance is and if they're able to attract enough enough punters through the gates. But uh, certainly it's moving in the right direction. And as we've seen, the, the game the game is improving greatly. Eh? But so yeah, good to see Dun United that are part of that. And and that will encourage the teams. We've spoken about the, the two teams I just mentioned there, you know, within Dundee as well, you know. To, it's a, an opportunity for them, even if, if they don't eventually, they can't find the, you know, the the, the structure to get themselves into that sort of semi-professional setup. It encourages their players to work hard and maybe Dundee United on their doorstep will, you know, take them on and say, well, you're doing really well. Here's an opportunity for you. Why don't you come and play for us? And that's, that's just the way it would be. But on there is a, a club on their doorstep there who's, who are going to be playing at the very top level. So, yeah, good luck to them, as George said. And that's good news. After this, Dundee. Right, lads, we're back. First, an apology. If I sound a bit, I sounded a bit funny during the United section. It wasn't, it wasn't my bias. It was the wrong microphone I might have been using. But I, I'm still not sure if that is the case. <laughs> such as my technical ability. But enough of that frivolity. Painful one for Dundee on Sunday, George. Yeah, um, it was. A wee bit harsh. Obviously, the Rangers dominated the stats and and the shots and goal and all that sort of stuff. But optimist in me, I, I, I saw a bit of life in Dundee for the first time in in, in weeks. Probably the first time since maybe Mark McGee's first game, the Celtic game, um, where they actually had a proper go, managed to get a goal. Um, it's good to see Christy Elliott take his chance. Uh, he's not always the fans' favourite. Um, and they deserved their lead at half time as well. Rangers, to be fair, were were awful by their own standards. They were yeah. really poor, and Dundee Dundee really pressed them really well and got after them, which is what you want to see. Uh, and it was good to see that the crowd responded as well, because obviously it's been tough times at, at Dundee for everything that's gone on off the off the pitch and on the pitch. And there's not too many happy happy chappies there, but it was good to see that the fans got behind their team but they just kind of ran out of steam the, the I was going to say they managed to weather the storm in the second half but they, they obviously conceded the, the goal to Aaron Ramsey and Rangers were weren't just knocking on the door they were trying to smash it down at, at that point it was shot after shot after shot but then they managed to the game calmed down a lot and Dundee started to get possession up the pitch and, and they started to play a bit more and, and get a bit more of the game and Rangers' level dropped off and then suddenly that goal came out of nowhere, the, the Goldson one. And, and it, to be fair to the players who spoke to after the game and the manager, normally that would that would be a, a real body blow and it, they'd suffer, but they, they were quite optimistic and they, they seemed to have taken a lot out of that first half. It's a game that they're not particularly expected to win. I mean, the, the difference in levels between Rangers at the moment and, and Dundee at the moment are, are, are huge. Um, so that they need points, obviously, more important than, than performances, but at least the, there's a chink of light in there that they, they can give themselves a chance at least to overhaul in St. Johnston. Yeah, and Bear, we've spent a lot of time this season bemoaning bad Dundee defending. But maybe the bad they got on uh, Saturday, Sunday, rather, with a winner was luck, because it was actually a very brave block, and the ball, the ball yeah. falls perfectly for Goldson. I think it? he blocked it himself, Roof. I think he kicked it off his own leg, which is even yeah. Tells nah, it was a, it was a bad shot. Somebody threw their yeah. put their body on the line, and yeah. then the ball just. I mean, as we often say, when you're down there, you're down, <laughs> the luck doesn't go your way. I would, uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I think Rufa, somebody tries to tackle. I'm not sure if it's McGee, but what happens is uh, Ryan Sweeney gets sucked over to try and block as well. And it, it gets, it is blocked, but it spins up in the air. And because Sweeney's moved that a couple of yards out the centre, he's left the gap. And, you know, it falls perfectly for Goldson, but it wasn't an easy finish, yeah, I've got to say. Yeah. Was no, good, he finished, I mean, he finished set, it well. He's a central defender, and he's he, you know he's, second he's, game in a row at Dens. Yeah, he's finished very well. Dearie me, it was a, it was a, it was a terrific finish, and I, I felt for Dundee because it was a hard weekend, especially the way things go on the Saturday. You know, you think that 
Um, I'm sure we thought that Motherwell were going to take a point at Perth, and then it's a, it's a late, late goal for for St Johnston, and so that puts Dundee under a wee bit of pressure. Although what they were expect after watching them the week before against Rangers, the vast majority of Dundee fans weren't expecting too much. But they got a good they got a good performance from their team. They got a lot more than they got the week before. Mm. That's for sure. He cha- Matt McGee changed it a, a bit to be fair. He brought in a bit more muscle with Christy Elliott, which I think was a good. I think Christy had a good a good game. Um, but you are limited. You're play, you've got to remember you're playing a Rangers side who are going great guns at this point in time. And as George, George pointed out, when they got their equaliser again, that's the one thing that I would say from a Dundee perspective. They defended really well and they defended their box well and the keeper came out and made punches when he had to. He made saves when, when he had to. But the goals they lost were scrappy. Yeah. And that will annoy them. That, that they were avoidable, Tommy. And that's, you know, I, I think there was there was certainly a point to be made in that game. A point as in a league point. Um, I was there for them. Uh, they've just they've come out on the wrong side of it again. But they can take heart from. The, there's definitely a, a far better shape about the team than where they are. But shape doesn't get you goals. No. Shape doesn't win you games. That's the big problem they've got now. They've got to try and find a way of transition. You know, and, and because they've got two massive games coming up before the split, where they're definitely for me, they're going to have to get one win in, in one of those games. Yeah, and and as as Bears just said. George, shape doesn't win you games, it's goals that win you games. And St Johnston, uh, I've got a boy in Callum Hendry who's finding the back of the net. I mean, he, he, he got both their, their goals that opened that four-point gap. And that's it's a big thing to have at this time of the season. The Dundee have someone that's going to score five goals between now and the end of the season, six goals. Um, I'd, Yeah, that Callum Hendry goal, that, that was a killer for Dundee. The timing of it, obviously, stoppage time and huge for St Johnston. Um, in terms of Dundee goal scorers, the top goal scorer plays in Australia at the moment. That's that's the biggest the biggest problem. Um, Jason Cummings is still the top scorer. Okay. So Danny Mullen was was out with a with a knock. I don't know exactly how bad it was. They were expecting him to to make it, but he didn't quite. Um, Maybe one of those where you're playing Rangers. What's the point in risking one of your two main strikers or two strikers um, in a game that you're probably expected to to not get anything? Um, Danny Mullen has shown in the, in the spell, the good spell that Dundee had previously, that he he can get the goals in these big games. But <laughs> pardon me, <That's, coughs> I'm not quite over. Yeah, uh, that sounded like that I've run out of limbs. You see, joke there, Danny Mullen. <laughs> Sony's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a genuine Sorry, cough, Danny. listeners. <laughs> that was not George having a laugh. No, um, <laughs> I like Danny Mullen a lot. I think he's, uh, I guess, he's done a, done a great job for Dundee. He's not prolific goal scorer, but the the work he puts in it is is Dundee don't have another player like that. Um, but it, to be well, talking about Danny Mullen, it looks like he's, he's leaving at the end of the season, at the end of his contract. Um, he's, he's kind of not exactly said it, but he's reading between the lines. It's uh, looks like his, his time may be done, but he'll that still be keen to career history. Seems to some some I remember going back into the archives. Ian Ferguson, who started at Dundee, he was a boy who just played two two and a half years at a club and then just wanted to move. Some some boys are like that, aren't they? Uh, maybe I, I I get the feeling all the stuff that's going on uh, Dundee over this season it's probably sensible that he maybe looks elsewhere and that's not a good sign from a Dundee point of view but from the players point of view plus he'll want to play in the Premiership I mean when a team's in Dundee's position and you're out of contract you're gonna you're you're, you're gonna uh, sorry I was making faces here wait and see your 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 options at the end of the season. I think there's there's plenty of teams that would take Danny Mullen in the Premiership. I think in terms of his work rate, he, maybe, he doesn't score the goals that you maybe want, but I think he, he does a lot of good work that a lot of teams are quite happy to have him in their, in their squad, at least. I yeah, say. I was going to say, but, Bear, is that the, I, I get exactly what George says, but is the thing Danny Mullen might have to remember is if you've got a goal scorer in your ranks, you take Danny, Danny Mullen. If you're looking for a goal scorer, to add to your squad, Danny mm. Mullins not, not the man. He's 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 the, the no, second he's not, striker. He's not prolific, he? and 
Yeah, to be fair, he wasn't a prophet before he came to Den, so we weren't expecting somebody that was going to, you know, uh, be banging them in on a, a regular basis. He, ha- he has had brief periods when he's got one or two, but not enough, unfortunately. I think the, the service has been has been poor. I've got to say for the strikers. One thing you can never never fault Danny Mullen for is his work rate. You, you know, he, he puts in a shift every game he plays. He has been affected by injury. I've got to say as well, we don't know what the details of the contract are. What are the new contract? I mean, he may be getting less than yeah. he's getting this season. Uh, so we just do, we, you just don't league, know. He's maybe getting um, better offers elsewhere from people he's speaking yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to look after yourself first first and foremost. Um, before Dundee, who's going to step up to the plate and be a hero, Tom? You know, Zach Rodden, come on, we need, we need you to start, start winning. Just anybody. Yeah, see, any, it goes from I, I do think that Zach Rudden's got the, the ability to, when he gets a chance to take it. I think if you combined Mullen and Rudden together, you'd have a, a hard worker and a finisher together. I think that's the difficulty when you're at a club in Dundee's position, getting these players. I think Rudden is a goal scorer, but it's getting him the chances. It's been an issue. Well, the guy, the guy on the tunnel, you then certainly tried to give him a goal <laughs> on did, Saturday. And the Dundee goal scorer is know, Zach Rudden. Yeah. And, and I was looking at it going, I thought that was Christy Elliott that scored. I was the same. And everybody's going, I thought it was Christy Elliott as well. (laughs) People on Twitter were giving it to Rudden as well. It was on TV, surely they could have seen that. Uh, it's maybe it's one of these things where you'll know this from your time when they gave managers like strikers to score so maybe Martin yeah. he had a word with the Tannoy <laughs> exactly guys. doesn't matter who scores give it to Rudden <laughs> give it to Rudden every, every goal he scores that's right we, we get that in but Dundee did Dundee did well as I say the first half as George says they were, they were well worth an advantage Bobby Madden did his best to level things oh, up God. but uh, <laughs> oh my God <laughs> but, but uh, one thing um, I'd say about that if you've got VAR that's never a penalty uh, and I'm not one yeah. for defending referees, but was that penalty an example to players that two wrongs don't make a right? Just because Morellis fouled Jordan McGee, don't grab his shirt back. Because I, I no. think what happened is yeah. Bobby Madden's only seen the last part. And it, it should have been a foul to Dundee, but all he's seen is McGee's hand on Morellis' shirt. Yeah, but even that... That was. Uh, it's, it's, it's very. It's, there's nothing. There's nothing much. And and I've. I've a Bobby Madden really looks at the ball the as well. Of the game, the way, when you're in the box, no. grab a player's shirt. And you don't need to yeah. push him over. Yeah. Don't don't clench your fist with a with, with the player's shirt inside it. And yeah. I don't think it was I, never I, a penalty. I think as well, though, Bobby Madden. Yeah, Bobby Madden looks at the ball. The ball's flying six feet over both their heads, and is going to the yeah. back post, yeah. and is getting knocked out for a corner. But um, no, Dundee did well in the first half. Fair play uh, to Van Bronckhorst. He changed that in the second because Dundee were pressing in the first half and closing Rangers down. Second half, he brings on Fashion Sakala, who, who pushes right onto Jordan Marshall. And while uh, Sakala's a good player in his own right, that pinned Marshall back. And you saw James Tavenier getting up the park on a far more frequent basis and getting in and around the Dundee defence. And he's, as, although he's a fullback, he's one of the most dangerous players in the league, putting in crosses uh, and things like they that. They put Lundstrom and, uh, at the back as well. And he's, he's obviously yeah. a midfielder who played in the. Premier League last yeah. season, season before. I mean, so, I mean, that was to keep the ball uh, mm-hmm. and keep Rangers on it. And Dundee couldn't get near the match in the second half, could they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ramsey, Ramsey right, well, in central midfield second half as well seemed to yeah. have a big bearing as well as his goal, uh, which you would say I it's mean, about time he yeah. did something. I know he is on, what, 400 grand a week? Playing at Den's Park. How can you live on that? What does he do? What does he do after Tuesday when his week's money's run out? <laughs> but hey, back to serious issues. Dundee now it is four points. Can Dundee afford? I mean, ideally, the gap would be closed or wiped out in the final two games before the split. Realistically, it's not going to be. Can they afford to be any more than four points going into the final five of the, se- the games of the season? No. I don't think so. I, I mean, I mean, we, we've seen Dundee getting pegged back from nine points being ahead yep. and, and going going there, but that's a, that's an exception. That's not the rule. And you've got to say St Johnston they have taken a massive lift from that that one at the weekend because of the nature of the win. Um, and they've got they've now got Livingston at McDermott Park. I mean, Livingston aren't, aren't any mugs, but you, you've got to think St Johnston are going to pick something up in that game. So Dundee have just got to try and keep their eye on the ball. And the games they've got, the two games in Dundee, one at Dens against Aberdeen, who they've already beaten at Dens. I think Aberdeen are a, the blow hot and cold. I think they're, 
they're desperately trying to get into that top six, which will make it difficult for Dundee, but they're a team I think Dundee can beat. And then the Derby match, which, you know, doesn't matter what you're playing for. Dundee Dundee fans will expect their team to go up there and, and, and get a result because there's one thing they've not had this season is a Derby victory, Tom, and that's, I'm afraid Dundee fans are not going to wear that, you know. So uh, they, need, they need a win in, in these next two games. And then it comes down to the the, the sprint, the sprint yeah. for the line. The, the most positive I can be is um, if you look at all the teams that Dundee have got results against this season, they're pretty much going to play them between now and the end of the season. So they've beaten Aberdeen, they've beaten St Mirren, they've beaten Mullerwell, they've got points against Livy and United and St Johnston, they beat St Johnston as well. These these are going to be the teams they're going to be playing against. So the I'm trying to put my my mind in, into the mind of the the players. They all look at that and think we beat this lot before, so we can do it again. So there is a chance for Dundee, but it's it's only up to them to be able to take it. Four points is massive at this this yeah. stage. I up. think it's, it's as I said. I think there's so many fine margins. There's nothing between a lot of these yeah. teams, but Dundee are at the bottom because in so many of these games, George, they've came out on the wrong side yeah. of these fine margins, and that's. I, unfortunately, that just means that you're just not good enough. Yeah. You know, you can't say it's bad luck all the time. You're just not good enough. Now they need to turn that. They need to turn that in the in the, the last sort of seven games. I, I, I do think or, they will add. I, th- I think they'll finish quite well in, t- in terms of what they've been recently. I think they will add points uh, between now and the end of the season. They'll be I playing teams. Going to be that, to say that they will add a big strike. I, I thought you had something I'm a bit late for that. <laughs> but no, they'll be playing teams that their season. Their season is finished. They can't get relegated. They can't get in the top six. There'll be a few teams. There'll be games in there that they can. Teams will just be off their level. They'll be on the holidays already. Right. The problem is St. Johnson are playing these teams. Yeah, as well. that's, yeah. that's 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 bad news for them. Yeah. That's bad news. When you're chasing, that's the last thing you need. Yeah, exactly. you need you need everybody being on it. So I think the two no, of them so- will cut the gap to the teams above. But it's whether Dundee can can get beyond St Johnston it doesn't look uh, promising at the moment even if they go into the, the post split games four points behind you would be reckon on St Johnston at least one in one game so you, you need to beat them that's a, down to a point you probably need to win another two games to have a, a realistic yeah, what chance probably, Tom, yeah. yeah they're going four points behind we know from past experience these people who'd compile the fixers will throw in that Dundee St Johnston game pretty early on yeah They'll not leave it right to the end because I might not be. I might be meaningless. I would. I would expect Dundee to play St Johnston in the first two games. Yeah, I was going to say the first or second game. Take, they'll probably take a chance. And of course, if the unthinkable were to happen and United didn't make the top six, they would work out when Dundee were most likely to be relegated in that because they did that. I mean, that I thought that was uh, when United got relegated in 2016 at Dens. That went against my ethos because football for me is about winning but the people the people at Sky seem to sit down with a slide rule and work out if United are going down when are they most likely to go down and they put them at Dens that night and and okay I, I can understand the Dundee fans celebrations and them taunting United fans because they'd been relegated but I go back to football's about winning things uh, you know what I mean, and that's I, I I did. I must admit, I found even as a as a Dundee fan, I found that a bit distasteful. And I'm yeah. I'm a, quite a big it's fan because, of Sky, Tom. It's, it's because Sky they want they yeah. want the celebration aspect, but they also want the heartbreak yeah. aspect yeah. Oh, of people, no. grown oh, men crying in uh-huh. the stands like me, uh-huh. <laughs> bursting into tears as your team is relegated. And hey, the number the of pub. times Dundee have been relegated, the, the, the action, know, the action style get is a lot of boys going. You going to the pub, I let's go to the pub. Just go now. <laughs> Can I just say the great thing about the, the Dundee Derby, which is coming up um, on the ninth, is it's going to be on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. I know, it's strange, which is man. absolutely. When was the last brilliant. time that happened? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Where's the start man when you need no, yeah. You and come back. Which, we can't. need you. But I mean, United have nicked them off us. It's going to be it's going yeah. to be a cracking game because they, I mean even if United have secured the top six, they'll be chasing fourth. Uh, and Dundee are Dundee yeah. are chasing everybody just now. So it's going it's going yeah. to be a fierce Tom, game. There's, uh, uh, honestly, I'll be a sellout at Tarnley Saturday. I'll be a sellout at Tarnley. I mean, Dundee United give D- Dundee 
I think 3,000 tickets or whatever it is, because we're limited, you know, to the amount of tickets yeah. you get in uh-huh. Tannadice. But they'll sell. They'll sell the other 8,000 they bought yeah. because, you know, they'll be wanting to put the knife right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it could be That's that, It could be a top six a top six game for them as well. Yeah, so. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. And, Georgia, we're going to have Charlie Adam back by then. We've had the crushing news that Lee Ashcroft's out till next season. Is there any good news on the fitness front? Yeah, that sounds promising. Uh, Mark McGee said he'll certainly be back for the, the final five post-split, but they, they're hoping the international break might have come at a good time, getting back in. Obviously, Danny Mullen missed the last one. They'll hope to have him back. Um, Adam Langston's has been a strange one because I think Mark McGee said he, he was going to be back, but it turns out, He's still he's still struggling with his injury. So what's he what's he done? What's he done, John? He he had an an knee injury. I think if you remember back at the, around the Dumbarton game, there was he was on the bench. It was because he had, he had a kind of a knee injury that was kept flaring up, and I think he got that sorted. But he picked up an infection uh, while he was recovering, and it set him back. So it, it's been a, a kind of complicated one, I think, rather than just a normal injury. There's there's been a an infection, in there that's held him back a bit. An so infection good in the to knee. See him back. No, I, no, I think did, it was because uh, I, I was going to say someone, I, know, I just I know someone who had just an a infection and the, an injury, and that's not funny. <laughs> but no, uh, no, but it, just it, a health it, it, I think it was. I think it was just yeah. Uh, it, it was as a result of his recovery, but it was just a yeah incidental uh, infection. I think. Um, although the goalies have, have done okay. Harry Sharp's done well, quite well like, when, when like he came in. I like speaking about it during your well, has sabbatical, George. He's, he's done very well. <laughs> oh, I wish it was a sabbatical, yeah. I think I think Mark McGeer made the right call bringing Lawler back for, I mean, the last thing, the, the, the young young guy Harry Sharp has done really well and, you know, hasn't done his, his cause going forward any harm whatsoever. He looks well capable and now you wouldn't be sort of if you, you had to come on in a game or anything like that, you wouldn't be going, oh, well, what we're we going to get here because what he's done in those three games. But it's, it's one thing sort of playing in that and then putting him into the mix for no way you know, what could be a re- is going to be a relegation. No, I'd right be disappointed, but his manager was protecting yeah. him long-term, oh, wasn't no, he? No, absolutely. Absolutely. One big mistake could, should be crushing for him. So, no, he did the right thing. And, and Lawler came in and had a decent game. Um, while the team are still battling uh, for survival and nothing's decided. As ever at Dundee, George, the fans aren't happy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You, 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 you can't, it's a podcast. You need more than one word for Silent. the paper, George. You, did, you, you need more than one it, it, seems, it seems to be, it's a recurring theme, isn't it? And, and uh, Yeah. If, if something keeps happening, it can't be without a, a degree of substance. And, Every time things are uh, not going quite well at Dens, the fans moan about relationships with the owners. And yeah, I, th- I think it has it's come to head a bit after the the manner in which they, they changed the manager. Not fans weren't so maybe maybe a lot of them had been calling for James McPake to go before. Yeah, so there'd been There's some a bit that of accepted that, but. There. Yeah, but I think the ma- the time and the time of the season they did it, the way they did it. Obviously, Mark McGee coming in was certainly not a popular choice with the fans. I think that just all brought everything else to head. Things like uh, John Nums not being at games and stuff. Although we kind of talked about that in the podcast before, sometimes that's that's just what be a uh, managing directors doing. Everyone so, gets a time off. Like, yeah, but um, except Bear, he goes every the, week. The complete, yeah, the complete lack of uh, communication has been a, a real issue for a number of years, as we've known. Uh, working in the media, trying to get answers sometimes from the the top at Dundee, it just doesn't doesn't come. Um, so yeah, and sadly this week, uh, John Burke, the support supporter liaison officer, has decided to call it a day. Uh, I've known John for a, a number of years. He's a one of the most diehard Dundee fans I've ever met. He's, he's, he's there every, every single game. He goes to the preseason trips and all sorts. Uh, but sadly, he's, he's he's stepped aside. He says it's time for for somebody 
somebody younger that knows social media and things like that. But there have been stories of him maybe getting a wee bit of abuse on, on the back of uh, this massive social media storm over the uh, banner section 18 boys in the south enclosure, which is... Um, a new one. There hasn't been too many new stories concerning Dundee uh, over the years, but that, that was different. I have to say the accusations of fascist and neo-Nazi connections, despite uh, I've spoken to the the guys who started up this group and they've absolutely no making it very, very clear that that is a complete accident and what people have complained about is, is nothing to do with what they are trying to do at Dens Park. They're trying to create a bit of atmosphere and kind of copy the, the blueprint of a few that other clubs have done with their young fans and get get things going. It's a case that ignorance isn't always bliss. <laughs> um, to be honest, well, they've they've now they've had good discussions with the club. A lot of people were were really critical of the club in the way they took down the banner, but they were very uh, full of praise actually for the way the club have, have handled it and they've changed their name, changed their banner. They're still looking to press ahead. They've got really big plans. And they're only young lads; they're only seventeen, eighteen, but they really seem to have good good heads on their shoulders. So, best of luck to them, and hopefully get rid of any <laughs> accusations of neo-nazism or anything like that from stuff i'd never heard of and 17 18 year old boys when they've heard of it's, it's a shame yeah. if they've landed themselves in a bit of hot water un, unintentionally because yeah. when i was 17 18 i could get in all sorts of trouble knowingly so i didn't i didn't, <laughs> I didn't need the ignorance <laughs> I can, and i still can be able to, to take this thing with the, the general thing with the fans though the relationship with the club i was out last week uh watching racing of all things and a United fan there and it did strike a chord with me because he wasn't being anti-Dundee but he made the point that the current owners have been there for almost a decade now and he takes an interest in local football and the lad said to me but what is their plan? What is the plan? And I, I, I couldn't really answer after all this time I mean, this obviously open to you too George is, is is that an issue? I, I I don't really know where Dundee see themselves in five years or ten years, other than the in the Premier League new stadium. But but you don't see a plan that's getting implemented. I mean, I think when they came in, I mean, we spoke to them straight away. Tom, we got John Nelms as, as almost as he came off the flight at you know the Riverside, and and Liam Kennedy got him that night and spoke to him and. I think they did have some sort of seven-year plan and it wasn't imperative that they got up in the first season or the second season, but as things turned out, they did. And they've been up and down and up and down. And where we're at, yeah, we're at a time where there is a sort of disconnect between the, the, the fans are not happy with the boredom. It's strange how these things always seem to happen when your team's doing poorly. Aye, I think, I think if things are going well on the park, then these things are, are brushed under the carpet slightly. But I must admit, I mean... I think, I mean, and they are very, very quiet. You know, John Nelms is, uh, even when he when he sort of, he brings in Mark McGee, he refuses to answer any any questions at, at the press or just reads off a, a pre-written script. I mean, I don't think that does him any favours. I think there's genuine concern uh, amongst amongst fans like myself that, you know, the stadium, I think this, yeah. is the, this is the big thing. They're talking about selling the stadium, how they do that when John Bennett is the owner, buying off John Bennett and selling on. I would I would start to be ringing the alarm bells at that if there isn't another stadium in place, you know, at this point in time. And I think that there are times when I think the club could be more proactive in, in putting the fans at rest. And John has to, to maybe, even if it is just on the website, but ideally sitting at, in front of fans and answering questions. And I know these things can can sometimes backfire big time, yeah. as we've seen at other clubs where the they have this sort of board sitting in front of, in front of the fans and it, it just becomes a shouting match, which is the last thing you need. But I, I think now's the time to maybe come up and, and say, look, this is where we are. This is where we're going, we're, we're thinking, you know, this is what this is our plan going forward. This is what we set out. There are going to be bumps along the way. They may well get real. What, what have we got earlier? What, is, what, is, what does the future hold? Do we just, do we just keep bumbling along with that ground up at Camper Down and nothing being done up there? Or is there is there something else in the pipeline that that we, we should know about? Um, but I've, I've always said this. I mean, they have come in and 
And oh, the money, time you've yeah. been there, Tom, the yeah. pump and money. And the people get the their wages paid and, and on time. Yeah, exactly. And, and and as you well know, and I well know, that hasn't been the case for the last 20 years or so at Dens. We have had some really, really, really scary periods where the club could have gone, really gone to the wall. So there, there's never been talk of that. So, but yeah, I, th- I think there is a, there is a sort of a disconnect. I, I think what's happening on the part certainly doesn't help things. But I think in turn the owners can help themselves by being a bit more vocal in, in what their ideas yeah. are. I think that's the that's the big problem. There's, as you say, with the the money they've put in, they've put so much in at the club that probably nobody else would really. No, no, in the entire world probably, but they don't particularly get any credit for that because of the way because because they're so reluctant to to engage with with, with the fans. It, it's something. It's a, a gap they're going to have to bridge, I, th- I think, and very soon. Because there's, I've spoke to quite a lot of people this week about what the issues are, and there's quite a few of them that are just saying, well, "I've had a season ticket for years and years and years. I'm not buying one next season, no matter what division we're in." So uh, there could be a big, big problem coming up over the hill for for the owners and what income is coming into the club because the fans see. Feel so disillusioned and disconnected. Yeah, disconnects um, the word that often springs to me. Yeah, to, to, to not quite defend uh, John Nelms and Tim Keys. Were did they maybe when they came in cast their net too wide? We need a new stadium. We need a youth system. We need this. We need that. A lot of people in football will tell you when you come into a club, and and just from a manager's perspective, it's not about getting your style of play on the park, the, an experienced manager will tell you the first thing you do is get results. And should the focus for the first few years maybe have been getting Dundee back in the Premier League and keeping them there, which they haven't been able to do. And then you then you widen that net and say, right, what about the stadium? What about the youth policy and stuff like that? Because the one thing they've never done is establish Dundee or re-establish Dundee as a Premier League club. Yeah, the- they were almost getting towards that stage weren't they under Paul Hartley and then it, they lost Stuart and, and Hemmings and couldn't yeah. replace them um, the, the stadium's the big one I think that there's a lot of angst about that I know John Nelms has been focusing almost solely on getting the work done on the new stadium there's supposed to be some announcement coming soon Um We've been saying that but, since twenty seventeen, exactly sixteen. Yeah, yeah. That's that's people don't really believe it anymore because it, nothing's happened so far, nothing meaningful anyway. Um, and Dens Park is getting well. It's dirty at times. It's untidy. It's, it's looking. It's dilapidated. It's places. looking more than its age, isn't it? It doesn't. Much yeah. I was watching the TV on Sunday. It doesn't look great. And that's yeah. it. And it could, I think, I think it could be spruced up quite well if you just give it a bit of effort. I think, I think there's there's graffiti and stuff on walls on the edge of the outside the stadium that could quite easily be cleaned off, but nothing gets done. People a bomb might improve it. <laughs> people were, uh, have been asking about getting a modern ticketing system and. They're refusing to do that because they would have to put in a new Wi-Fi system in the stadium, and they're not doing that. It's, it's, it's how long move, might it take for the take a long time new stadium? I've got to say, George, for all the for all the fans that you know are out there, and I, I understand their their, their grievances, and you know, and, and they're shouting for the Americans to go. It's not particularly that. Who's going to who's summer? going to take yeah, over? Aye, who's exactly. going to come in no. and take over the club? There's no reason to believe it's going to be a bigger investment than the Americans have put. Yeah. No. To be fair, the, no, the, sure. the, speaking to fans, that there's a lot more uh, of a view to kind of positive, meaningful, constructive talks with with the owners and John Nobbs and trying to work with them. Uh, that's been tried in the past and fallen on deaf ears but I think if season ticket sales start to go down then they'll probably have no other option but to, to kind of seek help elsewhere and I, I think that's it does feel like there's a, there's a, a shift in, in 
some a lot of fans realizing that they aren't going going to go anywhere. So you have to work with them and try and find a way to to improve things at, at Dundee by working working together. And that's that that's the difficulty is it is getting over all the stuff that's been before. I would say some people won't be able to do that, but I think there's beginning to be a few fans who can. Well, if you want a club, you need to. And hopefully, we'll be moaning over the summer about who's buying a season ticket, who isn't buying a season ticket for the Premier League. Right. Moving swiftly on. Who's going to mark Lewandowski? <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole starting 11, I think. <laughs> <laughs> If I was a Scotland centre half, I might be pulling out in the warm. Like, oh, I've got my hamstring's gone. <laughs> Unfortunate circumstances that Scotland can't play Ukraine, but Poland's a good game. Yeah, be be an interesting one, as you said. Lewandowski's obviously the star, uh, but we've handled him before, haven't we? No, he's in his thirties, and it's near the business end of a season. Still time right. for him to pull out. He's scored, what, 40 goals or something already? He's on for 50 again or something. Um, but I think we've got a good team, I think, these days. I think we've really moved on in the under Steve Clark. I think we're in a good place. Um, it's a shame, actually, to see Scott McKenna's pulled out because Nottingham Forest have been going great guns. If folk have been watching the FA Cup. Um, I watched, watched them on Sunday. Thankfully, yeah. they lost to the mighty Liverpool, but gave, gave them challenges that a lot of teams don't. Yeah, the the very good team, very good to to watch, and he's obviously a big part of their defence. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's obviously been a long time since Scotland have played, so get get them back in action. Um, yeah, and looking at the real games, bear, so to speak. Who's who do you fancy for the start? If, if Scotland play Ukraine in June, and then. Uh, I've got a final. Are they going to be playing Wales or Austria? Oh, it's on a, I think that's on a knife edge, that one. And uh, I'm not sure who we'd prefer because we won in Austria, didn't we? Not, yeah. not that long ago. But I've got, I've got a few looking beat Wales also, you know. So I think I think from from a game perspective, Scotland against Wales would be fantastic because it would be in, in yeah. Cardiff, you know, and Hanfield. you could just imagine. It'll be Anfield. Get down I'll be Anfield. We'll get it switched. <laughs> we'll get it, that's, that's nearly in Scotland, isn't it, Tom? We'll get it switched to there. Back to 1977 or whenever it was. Uh, yeah, I think that would set up a cracking game. First and foremost, we'd have to, we've got to take care of Ukraine first if that game ever gets over the line. You've got yeah. to say there has to be doubts about that. Looking at the, at the, the, the Scotland squad, um, yeah, it does look particularly strong. I think until you get to the forward line, I think we're. I, I like Chi Adams. Um, Danny Mullen really playing. light. What's that? Danny Mullen playing. He's injured. Danny Mullen. He's injured. Yeah, well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Dykes has been injured actually recently as well. Oh, so. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, Dykes could be. I mean, I, I just think we're we're genuinely like real real quality. Although I've been impressed with what Chi Adams has done in recent fixtures. For them, and that's why we rely so heavily on guys like I'm, I'm just looking at the the squad which George has kindly sent us. Ryan Christie, who can who can get in there and get goals. Stuart Armstrong's an attacking player, doing really well for Southampton. Can open the door. Played well um, against Man City at the weekend. Billy Gilmore is, is is still you know every game gets better and better. John McGinn has got a goal, and I think we rely on these players to weigh in because. We don't have a, a Lewandowski playing up front, but most teams don't. I have to say, most teams don't. So. We have got Ross Stewart be interesting because I like him a lot. He's got a lot of goals for Sunderland yeah. this season in League League One in England. Um, he's he's been a late arrival. In the a late addition, this week. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, interested to see how he does. He's over, what what I would say is there's there's opportunity, massive opportunities there for someone. And we spoke about this on the podcast last week. Likes a Tony Watt. Get scoring goals again. Give yourself, a, give yourself a chance to get in there. Somebody could just strike gold and, and end up, you know, coming from nowhere and being part of that. I've, and Scotland qualified. Well, that's basically to yeah. That's what Dykes did, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. When he got his chance, because honestly, when he was at Queen of the South, at no point did I think he'd ever be banging in no. goals for Scotland. But I used to watch him at Queen of the South against Dundee uh, in the Championship, Stroke First Division, whatever, and think. He's a he's a player Dundee should keep tabs on. 
And mm-hmm. I mean Livingston did and Livingston, but I must admit I never saw him going going no. higher than sort of average Premier League player. And he's, he's done no. well for him. It shows that he has if your attitude's what he's right, got Yeah. Yeah, what he's got done, yeah, he, I mean he's a big awkward blad, isn't he? He's a big awkward blad and he's, he's powerful. He gets the occasional goal. And you know what? He's ultra confident in himself. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. If he was a bar of yeah. chocolate, he'd eat himself, wouldn't oh, he? So you need that. You need that as a striker, though. I mean, he's and I, I, I quite, I quite like that in a striker. You know, he'd back himself. He'd back himself every time. So, yeah, it's just, it's just that that part of the team. I think we're just a wee bit like, and we have been for years. Aye. Right. the another thing about Dykes, a, a, a drum that I've beat increasingly over the past few years is. Players of a, of limited ability can go far in the game if they realise they've got limited ability. He's another one that he sticks to what he can do. He doesn't he doesn't flick it. He doesn't try to dribble his way through. He plays to his own strengths. And if and if your sort of skill set is limited, don't try to be Billy Gilmore. Be Lyndon Dykes, and I think that I think that's one of the reasons for his success. Can we not get Giorgio Jack and Mick Marcus in the team? <laughs> he must have Scottish blood. Yes. <laughs> like, get a few goals. Uh, he would do, he would do. <laughs> Just get in the box and score, son. You don't need to touch it anywhere else. These, these uh, anyone. But I mean, it shows you what everybody in football is up against, though, because all uh, all but a few uh, countries and teams are guaranteed a goals because strikers are that's why they get paid the big money and the big money is paid for them isn't it yeah exactly. the, the other one I'm interested to see if he gets chances Aaron Hickey he's been doing very well in Serie A so obviously fullback we're extremely strong in but yeah. he can play both sides so that's an interesting one Nathan Parson has obviously disappeared from view at Everton it's not getting a game so yeah that's disappointing because I really like the look of him I'm surprised he's not getting a game it might be hey, in the long run. It might be good for the laddie. Some of Everton's performances. Yeah, yeah. But he maybe get a game. I, I think obviously they've got a couple of games coming up here. So you, you, Steve Clark, given the fact that you know they're they're effectively friendly, I'm sure they'll give them a run. You know, and, and get a chance. Yeah. to get a, show what they can do. Yeah, and we need to keep uh, Andy Robertson for the wee injury, and we need to keep him fit for. The FA Cup, the league, the Champions <laughs> League. Sorry to put English club before country, but you're but he's no player. Don't play him. Any doubts? I always like your Tom. Always like how the English managers and I, and it's not just Jurgen Klopp always says. It's always come up by. I'm sure Steve Clark will do the right thing <laughs> with Andy. You know, he's basically saying you better not play him. <laughs> the international managers have two phones. And the one that <laughs> yeah. the one that the, all the club managers have the number for, they switch that off the minute the the minute the group <laughs> the group gathers because they must get pestered, especially for friendlies. Only play them for you said oh, and only do that. Ah, look, some of them just lie. Some of them do just say I'll only play play them for forty five minutes. Then the the the, the next club pre match press conference, the manager's going. He told me he would only play him for forty five minutes. He played the ninety. Extra, extra time and penalty kicks. He was still on. He took the tenth penalty. It's uh, just rubbish. <laughs> anyway, great stuff. That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back with more reflections and projections next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice. Or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>